This is a Dancepreneuring Studio podcast, session number 208, How Decisions Make Dreams Come True. Hello there and welcome to session number 208 of the Dancepreneuring Studio podcast. I'm Annette Bone and the Dancepreneuring Studio is the place where dance inspires life and business. I get the joy and the privilege of sharing my journey back into the dance world after a 20 plus year hiatus, the lessons I've learned, the transformation I've experienced, and the wonderful creatives I've met along the way who also share their stories, their ideas, strategies, and tactics to help move your life and your business forward. So imagine this, what do you do when you are hospitalized in a foreign country and you don't speak the language? When doctors tell you that you won't live past age 25, pretty depressing, right? Well, if you're Hal Banfield, you press through despite hearing these odds, and you know that doctors are not God. Former professional dancer turned award-winning journalist, creative entrepreneur, photographer Hal Banfield and I had a conversation about this experience he had at the height of his dance career and how he overcame that and so many other obstacles, as well as the process of this amazing dance book, I Am Dance, you have to get your hands on it. It is beautiful. And the stories of the dancers, oh my goodness. Wow, inspiring, riveting, amazing. So let's get to this conversation. I had such a wonderful time. And I got to do it in person, as you will hear, with Hal Banfield. Thank you so much for joining me. Hey, everyone, this is Hal Banfield, photographer of I Am Dance, words and images of the black dancer. Please buy my book at IamDanceBook.com. You're listening to Annette Bone and the Dancepreneuring Podcast. Now that you're warmed up, get ready to go full out with our feature presentation. Wow. So I am... Again, excited to have another wonderful conversation with an amazing artist, entrepreneur, creative, which is, I still can't believe I get to do this. Like I, I'm beside myself when I get to meet these amazing people that have these wonderful stories that I sit and I think about them. I think about their work and I'm speechless. And it just seems so real that after quitting dance for 20 years, coming back into it, that I would meet people that have made dance fit into what their passion is and what their dreams are and it, it, that it's not in a box and they've created their own path. And so I am super excited to be sitting here with Hal Banfield, who is the author of this amazing, amazing, amazing book. It's called I Am Dance, Words and Images of the Black Dancer by Hal Banfield of Hal Band Photography. You can find him on Instagram and on his site, halbandphotography.com. I'll link it in the show notes. And then do you see this amazing poster in the back? Like I want that poster for my house. I got to get one made. <laughs> Actually, you know what would be good is in my own personal dance studio, in my podcasting studio everywhere. It's it's just amazing. It's the cover as I don't know if you can see it on the video. Anyway, this is audio recording too. This is going to be in the show notes. So I'm referring to pictures and books and everything, but you can see everything on um, the show notes. So anyway, Hal used to be a professional dancer. He is from Canada. And you know, I'm positively biased toward you already because you're Canadian because everybody that I've met from Canada 
is nice. So <laughs> I'm already positive. Besides the dance thing that we have in common, you're from Canada. You have made dance work for you, even though you're uh, you're a former professional dancer. But you know what? I loved what you said that you've made every dream come true. Being intentional. Well, we're going to talk about the struggles that you've had because everybody has struggles. But the way that you talked about how you were intentional about having your dreams come true with this amazing book, with your professional career, with what you've done with your photography business, which my goodness, you have to see these images. They are not only in the book, but he also photographs actors and models and does commercial other commercial work. You have to see it. The quality is just it's so pristine. And so um, I don't know, when I look at your work, I get a sense of so much purpose. The, the images obviously are beautiful and visually stunning, but I feel like there's so much more to it. Can you talk about your process when, you know, how do you photograph models versus dancers versus, versus actors? Do you have a different process that you take these people through? Obviously, dance is movement. And with photos, you, you got to get them moving somewhat. You tell them to pose a certain way. How do you go about that? And how has your dance background helped with this business part of your career? Well, first of all, thank you so very much for having me on your podcast. I'm absolutely thrilled to be here uh, today. And um, so to answer your question, my process, uh, it varies. When I'm shooting actors, or if I'm shooting anyone for that matter, I like to actually meet them beforehand, have an actual sit down with them, get to know who they are, and what the intention is for the shoot. So are you an actor? Are you um, a model? Uh, let's talk about I don't know, what sort of acting do you do? Where do you see yourself being cast? Where would you like to be cast where you're not currently being cast? So try to kind of find those moments or find those, those ideologies that they're kind of thinking about for themselves. And let's try to approach that. Uh, when it comes to photographing dancers, definitely it's about the movement. And a lot of dancers, when they come to me, they think, I'm just going to strike a beautiful pose and that'll be the dance. It's more than that with me, just because dance is so expressive. And it's not just about putting a pretty picture, you know, posing for a pretty picture. We're actually going to do movement. So I try to capture a movement, try to evoke an emotion and bring that emotion out into the shoots when we sit down and, and, and do that sort of thing. Other sort of projects, you know, if it's a commercial shoot, it's up to the client and what they're looking for. I just try to help them achieve their vision and their goal. That's all. Well, I like that you get to the bottom of why first before anything else, because in such a visually stimulated world, that's what, you know, and especially also in this microwave mentality world, in some areas, people just want the finished product right away, which, you know, that, you know, it's fine. We do want that. But I love how intentional you were and you are with what you do. And this book, oh, my gosh, uh, we were talking a little bit beforehand before we started recording. And I was telling Hal that I was sitting in a coffee shop looking at, uh, obviously looking at the books so enthralled with it. And reading about his story, I, I I had to fight back tears because no one knew the struggles he was going through as a professional dancer with his health. And then he also has a story with uh, one of the female dancers featured in this book about her struggle with lupus. And oh my gosh. And then there was there's also another dancer who is who was diagnosed with HIV. And so you have these dancers, including how that had to deal not only with these stigma, these unnecessary stigmas with color and with race, which is just, you know, I'm still baffled at some of the things that we go through as a society and as, as a, especially living in LA where it's such a melting pot and you still experience the, these kind of discrimination and just, oh, it's just, anyway, that's a, a whole other subject. But in the book, I was just, I was so touched and just, I had to stop and pause because there's so much more to deal with than just the, oh, I'm going to go to this audition. I Hopefully I get it. Can you talk a little bit about 
what you had to deal with that. And yet still you had this attitude of, I'm going to make my dreams come true. I'm going to, heck, if I'm going to die, I'm going to die dancing. Can you talk a little bit about that? That has to be um, one of the biggest things I've ever had to carry in my entire life. Uh, I was born with sickle cell disease, um, hemoglobin SC to be exact. And anyone who knows anything about sickle cell knows that any sort of physical exertion is not something you want to put your body through. So growing up, you know, in Canada, I couldn't play hockey. <laughs> I couldn't uh, play soccer. I couldn't go into swimming pools because of the extreme cold temperatures. My body just couldn't take that. Um, but for wh- some strange reason, I was so drawn to dance. And I don't know what it was about this thing, but I was willing to fight through anything to make this happen. And remember doctors saying, you know, well, you can't really be doing that or, you know, you're going to, you know, your oxygen levels are not going to be where they need to be to, to service your body. But I kept pushing through and I just kept pushing through. And it just became something that I said, you know, what, I have to do this. This is something I really see for myself. As a profession, not sure, but I just saw it as something that I really wanted to do. And I put myself in classes. Um, my parents didn't quite understand but I would take my allowance and I would go and find studios around Toronto and, and take classes and and just try to put myself in that space of like, okay, I can now call myself a dancer. I see myself in that in that reality, in that space. And then slowly but surely, you start finding yourself working in the professional world. And how do I manage a profession doing rehearsals, you know, eight hours a day and and trying to, you know, keep up my stamina with all these other people who don't have this condition. And I never, ever talked about it. My first equity show uh, where I got my equity card uh, was in Cats, the Canadian company of Cats. And the Jellicle Ball, if anybody knows, is like the major big dance number. And I would come off that stage heaving, out of breath, couldn't talk, couldn't move. My body would start to cramp up on me, that sort of thing. And nobody knew what was wrong with me. Why can't he finish the number? Why Why is he so out of breath? Why is he, you know, what's wrong with him? But I never, ever, ever let up. Cut two then, years later, I get another high-intensity job. I get into Starlight Express. Another high-impact, high phys- highly physical job. And same thing, what is wrong with him? And that show actually put me in the hospital. I was hospitalized during the run of that show for about uh, seven days. And that job I actually did in Germany, in German. And here I am in a foreign land, in a foreign hospital, trying to explain a condition that they know nothing about. So I kept pushing on because I saw myself, okay, this is actually, this is my reality. I am now a professional dancer. In spite of all of these hardships or setbacks health-wise, I was able to push through. Doctors, as a young boy, said I wouldn't live to be 25. That was always the prediction going forward, like, okay, we're not going to live to be 25. So, And then doctors say, well, if you keep up this dancing, you're surely not going to live to be 30. (laughs) <laughs> and uh, I always knew that doctors aren't God. You know, they probably have their best intentions or I don't know, but I saw something totally different for myself and I managed to kind of push through. And here I am now in middle age, you know, I'm no longer a professional dancer, but I'm still standing, you know, and I still have the stories to share about my time as a professional dancer, uh, working in that world, working with an incredible community of dancers, you know, who we all shared just this passion and this love for this craft. Yeah, it was it was not easy, but you do what you have to do. So with um, your career as a professional dancer, did you like working in 
I know you worked in London too, right? Did you like working there versus being in Canada versus New York City? Where was your favorite place to perform and to work? I absolutely loved living in London. Um, just something about being on the West End and being uh, where the history of theater really, really, you know, came to be. And plus, at the time, there were a number of shows that featured uh, Black actors at the time. When I got there, I remember walking through the West End and saying, okay, I want to do that show. I want to do that show. And I want to do that show. There was just something about me saying, you just put it out there. And lo and behold, I got all the shows. <laughs> so I, I, I never forget. I, I arrived in London. It was uh, in June of 1992. And yeah, 92. And um, my first job, right as soon as I got there, I landed Carmen Jones at the Old Vic. And I got to understudy um, Joe, who's the male lead. Uh, Harry Belafonte played him in the movie. And then after that, I did Five Guys Named Mo. So like just back to back to back. And then another show, which was a workshop called Tutankhamun about King Tut. Um, so just just to be there at that time, it was the early 90s. It was, I was young. I had a fabulous flat. I met fabulous friends. It was really, I was living a dream. You know, it was, it was something that I don't think I would ever have been able to attain had I'd stayed in Canada because there wasn't really that kind of opportunity there for me after having done Cats. So I knew I had to leave Canada to kind of keep this thing going forward if I wanted to stay living this, this dream for myself. And so I found an opportunity and that was in London and those jobs were just phenomenal. Yeah, they, they meant so much to me. Well, what an amazing experience to be able to travel. And then, like you said, I am a professional dancer. I'm doing this thing to understand when I was reading about the dancer in your book with the lupus, I've had uh, someone close to me deal with really, really to the point of dying several times and seeing that like seeing it actually almost happen and then coming out of it and going back into it and coming out of it. It's not that is not it's not easy to deal with physical, let alone the physical demands as a dancer. So that says a lot about your mindset and your drive and your passion. And uh, we know we were talking a little bit before we started recording about your son who is in school to become a surgeon, not a dancer, a surgeon. How did you talk to him about him pursuing his own dream, his own vision and not feeling like, like we were talking about, we were talking about how parents can be so interesting, wanting to have their kids do certain things. And um, I, I was talking to someone actually recently about how incredible it is when kids have a support system, how much more they can do. And now, obviously, you can do things if you don't have a support system, but how much more to your advantage when you have a strong support system and people that support your dreams and goals. So can you talk a little bit about your relationship? How, you know, obviously, he's going to be very successful because he's your son and, <laughs> and you've done all these things. So um, I would love to hear more about that. So yeah, my son, Noah, uh, he's now 19. He'll be 20 in September. He saw me, you know, coming up in this career. And um, I guess by the time he was like a preteen, he had it in his mind that he too was going to be a performer like his dad. And, you know, he was interested in dancing and music and wanted to sing and all of that. And because I, I've always known what it really takes to really throw yourself in something like this, I had a heart to heart with him and said, look, is this something you really want to do? And as I got deeper into our conversation and our discussion, I kind of realized that he was looking to do this because his dad did it, you know. And I then said to him, well, if the only reason you want to do this is because I did it, you're actually doing it for the wrong reason. You know, I'm not saying don't do it, but do it because it's something that is calling you to do it. It called me. And that's why I answered the call. And that's why I did it. If it's not calling you, 
but you're doing it for another reason. I would say save yourself the years of heartache. Save yourself the years of anxiety and depression and the what could have happened, maybe could have, would have, this maybe, I don't know, could have, should have, would have, you know. So um, I said, please find something that really speaks to you. And his thing is science. And now he's studying biology and he's got the goal to be a surgeon. So, of course, as his dad, I'm like, you could be anything you want. And I am backing you absolutely 100% this way because I know this is something that is calling you and this is something that you're actually good at and this is something that you see yourself succeeding at. And if you can see yourself succeeding at it, you will definitely succeed at it because I know what that's like. Oh my gosh, I love that. And you're just reminding me, I had a guest on a a long time ago, a couple episodes since I'm over 200 episodes now, but um, he actually was studying forensic science because he thought that's what his parents wanted him to do. And then he switched to um, teaching hip hop dance and now he's thriving. And now his his parents are like, well, why didn't you? We, We were wondering, like, he was trying to hide it and they were wondering why he wasn't doing so well in school because he was going to all these dance things and kind of skipping out and he was scared to tell them. But then when he finally did, it all made sense to them and now they completely back him up. But a lot of times it's that communication. It's just knowing when and how to communicate and and validating that everybody has their own journey and, and everyone has their own passions and dreams to pursue. Like this amazing book. Again, I have to talk about the book because it's awesome. And um, I... Oh, gosh, I just want to tell everybody about this book, because it's so great, the stories in it. And how picked these dancers specifically for reason not be well, obviously, they look good, they move well, they have wonderful stories. But um, he really had to get to the essence of what it is that they represented before he put them in because he had more than enough dancers to choose from. I mean, we're in Los Angeles. So there's no shortage of amazing dancers. But he was very specific about his intention and about what he wanted to present in his book. So I want him to talk about that. Okay. So uh, just so you know, the actual, what made me even want to do this project in the first place, uh, some years before I was watching a documentary on Netflix, uh, A Ballerina's Tale. It was about Misty Copeland's ascension to become the first African-American principal ballerina at ABT. And as I, was, as I was sitting there watching this thing, I started thinking about my own past and my own experiences as a dancer of color especially growing up in Canada where there were so few of us and how I kind of had to find a place for myself in a place where there weren't many people like me. So as I was watching this and thinking about my story, I was thinking, okay, how many other dancers are there out there right now who are going through a lot of what I went through and actually what Misty's has gone through? And how are they dealing? How do they find their triumph throughout all of this? So I've been away from the dance community for, gosh, so many years. So how do I even begin to find dancers here in LA? Because I was not part of the community. I was not part of the community here. Um, So I um, just put out ads. And I didn't know who was going to show up. And people would show up. And there was something there. Maybe there wasn't something quite there. But I I knew exactly there was... There was a very specific type of person I was looking for. Um, Definitely athletic. Definitely graceful. Definitely, you know, fierce, like people who could really, really dance and who'd be willing to share their personal stories and their personal journeys with me. So as I started finding really good dancers, really good dancers, no other really good dancers. And that's how it all, they pretty much all led a path to me that way. So once dancers saw their images and they started seeing the intention behind what I was doing, because I was really coming from a very good place because they didn't know me. And they saw my intention, how, how I was approaching this. They started telling their friends about me. 
And then their friends started reaching out to me. And then I had a, a large swath of dances to choose from. And that's how that came to be. Um, the process was they would sit down with me. First, we'd interview because I want to get to know them as a person, as a dancer, and ask them key questions about why do they dance, what dancing means to them, and what dancing as a person of color represents to them especially. And they'd go away, and then I would transcribe their interviews and pull out certain segments of it. And then just before we sit down, or actually before we actually go into the studio now to actually shoot, I would feed back uh, certain aspects of their interview and say, let's think about this. So they're coming at it from uh, either a, a motivation or an emotion or some sort of attention behind their movement. And let's shoot that. And so that's how that happened. A lot of the dancers weren't quite sure because I would get them to like actually yell and scream and shout, and like really make, you know, a lot of noises while they're dancing because I was trying to bring something out of them, which is not just like I said, not just taking pity pictures, but having some sort of like force coming out in them. So I wanted to capture that force in all of them. So that's how that all worked. Oh my gosh. I loved how intentional that was because I was telling Hal before we started recording that when I was looking through the book, that I really felt the essence of what he was trying to communicate. And, and I felt that the book beautifully illustrated not only his story, but he there's something about collaboration where sometimes you see something and it's all about the the head person or the artistic director. It's about which, you know, yeah, it's their vision and stuff. But with this book, I felt like it was very much about highlighting these stories. And the story was the priority. Like I said previously, like when I look at his photos, I feel there's such I feel that there's so much more depth than just the the visual aesthetic of it, what he brought out in the stories. And, and it wasn't just like pose after pose. And uh, also, I want you to talk about um, the book is in black and white. But I mentioned to Hal that the fact that it's in black and white doesn't take away from its visual appeal. In fact, it makes you more engaged because the stories, the, the obviously the photographs, the um, just the way that everything it was very purposefully put together. So, would you tell us about why it was put together the way it was, the way it is? Absolutely. Uh, the thing which I love about black and white photography is just there's an artistic component to that. You know, yes, we all see color images constantly, but there's something about really creating a beautiful black and white image. Now, for this project, especially because I'm working with people uh, of uh, different colors, you know, black black dancers, uh, there's something about how you light black skin and how you capture the highlights and the shadows within the skin tones. And also you can, and because black dancers are, are very muscular, um, you can really bring out that musculature the way you light it and you, the, the way the, the light, you know, re reflects off that darkness and how the shadows really feed into that darkness. So there's a whole much, a whole lot of contrast coming in with the black and white images, uh, the way you light black skin. And also because they are moving as well, you'll get to see just, you see more of them coming through than just a beautiful color picture. So black and white was really the way for me to go because I wanted to really highlight the beauty in their skin tone and, and the fierceness of the the highlights of the shadows within their musculature. Gosh, that from the start, the book engagement, I thought, oh, and then, you know, the words I am, I, I need to look at this real quick again, because I cannot look at it enough. I was like flipping back and forth, you know, talking about, you know, talks about perseverance and things about being a fighter and the statements and, um, Oh my gosh, I just I love this book so much. Did I tell you I love this book? <laughs> so many times. 
And you know what turns out, um, I uh, did a, in, an Instagram post about this, but uh, one of my previous guests, Mark Spalding, was on my podcast. So when I went through this, I'm like, oh my gosh, it's Mark. And then you know, Mark is a very humble person. So he would not like talk about this all the time. And so I texted him. I'm like, wait a minute, you're in this, this awesome book. And he's like, yeah, Hal is great. You're going to love him, which I knew I would because the book and, you know, seeing the video and all that stuff. And then um, a friend of mine from when I started dancing, Elise Rocket, her beautiful images in the book as well. And I found out how uh, how worked with her. And it's just just it's interesting, the commonalities within the dance world, even though, like you said, you have not been in the dance world for so long. Being away from it now and being, you know, having your photography business and doing what you do in media. Do you miss performing? Is Do you miss? Are there other aspects of dance you miss? Are there things that you don't miss? Do you see things now? You're like, I'm glad I wasn't a part of that. Or, you know, what would you say about the dance world being out of it now and being in it in a different way? Oh, wow. Uh, I don't miss auditioning, for sure. I do miss the community. You know, I remember being in New York and, and being among a core clique of dancers and or performers and, and, you know, being supportive of each other in that way, being on a tour and you know, you're all riding the planes together, you're riding the buses together, you know, having those sort of like um, kinships with, with other people. I don't miss the way my body would feel. I don't think my body can do a lot of what it did back then, for sure. Uh, I've got a lower back issue as a result of all those years of dancing on raked stages and, you know, doing starlight and, you know, yeah. rolling at 40 miles an hour, that sort of thing. But um, I don't miss the auditions. Like I said, I don't miss, um, yeah, just the the wondering of when's the next job going to come. But I do miss the applause, for sure. And I do miss... Um, that that strong sense of community, you know, being around people who understand you and people who uh, are riding that same journey with you. Now, it's interesting with being back in dance and the dance communities, because there's different, I feel like there's different sections of it, too. Like you have the the commercial street and the street dance community, which is different, which is the same and different from the concert dance world. And because I've been able, because of the podcast, too, I've been able to talk to different people from different areas of the dance community. And it's interesting to observe the commonalities and uh, the differences. But then that, again, like you said, that it's that community and kinship that is very um, desired and apparent. And um, yeah, I, I'm finding it to be interesting, because being in it in different aspects of it with the podcast with uh, what I'm doing right now, it's, um, it's teaching me a lot of things still and reminding me of what's important and uh, how important relationships are. Do you have a coach or mentor? Because we talked about how, you know, you knew that you were going to make your dreams come true. And I, I love how confident that statement is because some people are like, even, you know, I admit, I don't know if this is going to happen. I don't know if I'm good enough, which is why I quit. So, you know, stuff like that. How, how did you develop that mindset of I'm going to make this happen? Do you, did you have good mentorship with your parents or, or anyone else in the dance world? How did you develop that and sustain that? Oh, boy. Um, I come from a very uh, strong West Indian family. And so I remember growing up, my mother always saying, you could do anything you want. Anything. I had a grandmother who said, you can do anything. Go and do it and be fantastic. And with being fed that constantly, you know, my dad would say the same thing, although he didn't quite understand why it was dance, you know, of, of all things, why that? But it kind of put something in me that was just, I felt unstoppable. And it would come across to the point where honestly, it, it would also feel like 
a little cocky in a way, because honestly, growing up, I didn't have a lot of close relationships with people because I was so driven. I was so focused. I knew exactly what I wanted to get. Like you couldn't tell me that coming out of cats, I was going to actually then jump to America and then jump then to Europe. You know, when I was in Canada, like, how are you going to do that? You don't know anybody over there. Well, I don't need to know anybody over there. (laughs) I will find somebody when I get there. I will find people and I will find people to connect with. So I never felt I had to hide under a cloak of of being part of 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 a scene or being part of 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 a group just to say yes well look I'm a dancer and you know I'm going to sit here and just you know let it be if I saw anything and I wanted to do it I just went after it you know I like I said I went to London and say I want to do that show and I want to do that show and I want to do that show and boom it all happened and then at the end of my visa in London the next crossroad was okay so what do I do do I go back to Canada or do I Make a, make a run, make a case to get to America. And I only came to Los Angeles because I was so tired of the rain in London. <laughs> that was the only reason. I said, okay, I've had enough of the rain in London and the, and the, and the clouds, the gray skies. Let me get some sunshine. And so I landed in, in uh, Los Angeles uh, 25 years ago. And I started booking dance jobs in commercials. So I'm like, okay, well, Let's do this. And then I would find myself then connected with an agent who would bring me back to New York. So I was going back and forth between New York and LA all the time. And I said, okay, well, this is, this is all good. This is all fantastic. And what next? Because I was thinking about what's next? What's, what's going to be the next thing? Because I would sit in a job and I remember I did uh, Miss Saigon and thinking, okay, this is fantastic. But what's going to happen after this? You know, and what am I, what plan am I making for the next thing? And just trying to, put myself in that space of making that happen, even though not having the support from colleagues that I worked with because they were, they were comfortable. But I, was, I continued to stay hungry. I continued to stay driven. And when I, when I said, okay, fine, I, let me retire from dance after all that, I said, okay, now what? I became a news broadcaster. You know, so I'm like, well, how do you, I saw it and I just put myself in there and um, took the training I needed to train and created the demo tapes that I needed to create and send them out to the news stations. And then boom, now you're calling yourself a news reporter and a journalist. <laughs> you know, how, how does that happen? Because I had, it, it was always been instilled with me. If I see something, just go for it. You know, there's nothing that's going to stop you except you. And to this day now, okay, here I am. I'm like, okay, well, I've got this idea for this book. I, I, I didn't even know it was going to be a book, <laughs> you know, when, when I started taking these images, I thought, okay, this will be really nice gallery showing or some nice thing, pretty pictures for my Instagram, whatever. But when I saw the breadth and the depth by which these dances were so engaging, I said to myself, this has to be a book. Okay. Well, I don't know anything about book publishing. <laughs> so, <laughs> so once again, I'm researching, I'm trying to find, you know, a publisher, um, got turned down by three publishers. And lo and behold, I found this wonderful publisher uh, based out of Atlanta, Georgia. She said, no, this book is fantastic. This book is going to do something. And she guided me along the way to getting the book out into the world. And that's, uh, I have, I owe her a lot. She was uh, phenomenal. But putting yourself out there, having the vision, being relentless and, and, you know, saying, we're going to do this and we're going to make this happen. And, um, And then things just start to attract, you know, the publisher showed up, more dancers showed up, you know distribution showed up, like all these things just really happened for me. And it's just because I always sit in the truth of knowing that only good things will come my way. You know, and I know only good things that serve me will benefit me in the long run. Oh, that was so good. 
I'm sitting here listening to Hal talk about this and just so happy and excited. I get to listen and see him and hear him express. And, and again, this book, you have to check it out. I am, I am going to link it in the show notes. And oh, I want to continue this interview for like hours. <laughs> but we got to end here soon. So I'm going to ask him my three questions that I call the dancepreneuring quick step, which every guest gets to answer should they choose to. So my first question is, um, what is the dance style you haven't tried but would like to and why? A dance style I have, tr- I have not tried but would like to try. A style I have not tried but would like, I have not done but would like to try. I have not done belly dancing. How's that? <laughs> I have <laughs> I like to shake my hips now, okay? But there's something I, I, I don't think I'll wear the garb, but. I will, uh, you know, try try the whole hip thing and, and, and the belly thing with the bells and all that. So there, there's your answer, okay? okay? The first one off the top of my head, you got it. Okay, so why? Why? Just because you like to shake your hips? Just because it looks fun? Yeah, it looks like fun. And, and uh, you know, I've never tried it. So yeah, I'll try it. Okay, so who is your favorite dancer or choreographer and why? As a young boy, I was enamored with Gregory Hines. To me, he was everything. Uh, it was him and it was Ben Vereen. Those were two men that I saw as a young kid coming up thinking, wow, look how multifaceted these people are. Look how multi-talented they are. Both of these gentlemen were triple threats. And I remember watching um, White Nights with Barishnikov and Gregory Hines and just the way they each could battle each other and and maintain this. this there was a sense of masculinity to them and there was a sense of confidence to them and just... They just were so cool. Ben Vereen, he was so suave and he could do anything. And so I, I just saw these gentlemen. I thought, wow, that's me. You know, I really see myself in these guys. They seemed super cool. They seemed, they were phenomenally talented. Uh, well, Ben is still around. He's, the other one's gone. Um, Mr. Heinz is, is no longer with us. But yeah, these, those guys for sure were just like phenomenal, phenomenal phenomenal artists. Are you a fan of the Nicholas brothers too? <laughs> Who's not a fan of them, right? Most definitely. Yeah. Oh my goodness. Yes, yes, yes. The Nicholas brothers, uh, just the way they dance, the, the showmanship that they, and the, the athleticism, uh, a very dear friend of mine, uh, she is the daughter of Noble Sissel. And so uh, I'm very good friends with her. And just, she has all the stories about uh, the great, the, the Nicholas brothers and Lena Horn and people of that nature. Um, just, we're talking about an era, like so, so gone by. Yeah. Just to know that these people did what they did at a time when they did it. And, and anyone today to say that they can't do anything, you're, you're totally shortchanging yourself because if these people in that time could do what they did, there's no reason why you can't do what you're doing today. Oh, yes. Very well said. Just, just like everything else you said. <laughs> so my last question of the dance printering quick step is, what is the style of dance that is currently describing your day right at this moment at this time and why? <laughs> Ooh, the slow drag. Is that, is that the thing? Uh, it's been a long day for me. Uh, I got up super early. Speaking of drag, there's a car outside my window dragging, uh, drag (laughs) racing. (laughs) Um, yeah, just, it's been a long day and just a little tired, but you know, I'm, I'm keeping it up for you. Annette, yeah. So, <laughs> but yeah, the, the slow drag. If if that is a dance step, I don't even know. But yeah, I'm 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 starting one right now. <laughs> well, this has been 
oh, such an honor and such a pleasure to get to know you better and get to talk more about the book. Again, the book, I Am Dance, Words and Images of the Black Dancer by Hal Banfield. And also check out his business, his photography business. Well, you, you can also find out about the book there, but it's halbanphotography.com. Oh, my goodness. Thank you so much for being on the podcast and for sharing so openly. Um, you've achieved so much, yet it has not been perfect. And it, you've had your struggles, but you still work through them. And I think that's what I love so much and that you've made dance work for you, different facets of it, the performing, the traveling, the the book, the photography, but it just amazing. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for the opportunity. I, I'm, I'm really thrilled to have been a part of this. I really appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you so much for joining me on this session. Remember that you are valuable, your dreams are important, and it's never too late to be great.